I'd like to welcome all of you to the gathering of Redemption Hill Church. My name is Tanner Turley. I serve as one of our pastors. And uh, if you're new with us, uh, as Pastor John mentioned a few moments ago, uh, we would love for you, if you're able, to make plans to stick around uh, after the service, what we call next. It's just a great opportunity to connect with some other people in our church, usually some other new people and not so new people. Uh, We'll provide a free lunch for you, and you can just learn a little bit more about uh, who we are and what we're about uh, as a church. And uh, as the kids uh, are dismissed, I want to I just note two highlights for me in the service already, okay? Uh, number one, uh, John said, hey, how about let's give it up for our guests that are here. And uh, that was a highlight that he did that. What was a low light is that we didn't really do a great job. So we're going to do that again. So let's give it up for our guests who are here. Thank you very much. That's a little bit better, Redemption Hill. And then number two, uh, after this uh, second song, uh, a little girl here on the front, um, actually clapped when it was done. You know what I'm saying? And that is why I love children, and that's why I think Jesus loves children, because I think she kind of set an example for the rest of us who, you know, could maybe follow her lead. So um, it's okay, disappoint, it's okay. This is not the sermon, by the way, but it's okay to be excited in church. You know, like uh, we believe that Jesus was once dead, now he's not dead, and so that's something to be excited about. All right, now, I'm off. Thank you very much, Pastor Reddy. All right, here we go. I might even be able to preach today. I'm about to get on my soapbox. Let me stand up. Never mind. Um, okay, hey, um, really, really glad you're here today. Uh, really thankful for what God's doing in each of your lives. Um, This morning, we're going to continue our spending time series and think about what it looks like to maximize our time. I want you to think about this. What if we all could see a visual representation of how we invested our time on any given day? What if we could track this precious commodity of time that we've, we've argued this is the greatest commodity in our culture is the, the currency of time. And that's most certainly true from a theological perspective that each moment that God gives us, each day, each month, each year that God gives us is a gracious gift from him that should be treasured by us and then consequently um, spent well for his sake and for the sake of others and even for our own sake, right? And so I got to thinking about this uh, uh, just this past week, and I thought about, hey, what if we could, this is a stock chart, okay? And a stock chart measures the value of a given stock. What if we each had a stock for how we spend our time? What if we each had a ticker symbol for our name? You know what I'm saying? Like mine would probably be TGT, that's my initials. All right, the G stands for God's gangster. All right, um, so um, TG, that might be GGT, um, but, but anyway, you get the point. Like, what if we ought to ticker? And at the end of the day, when the bell rings, we could see how we invested our time. What if the stock going up meant we spent time on things that were essential? But what if the stock going down meant we spent time on things that are trivial? What would your price look like? What would the value of how you invested your time reveal? 
think this is a great question for us to consider this morning. Is our stock rising? Is our stock falling? Is there a bullish trend, you know, or a bearish trend for those of you who follow the investment world? I mean, what would our day week day look like? What would our week look like? What would our, our month or our year look like as we tracked the investment of our time? You see, I, I realize that we all face countless temptations every single day to probably like, no, I'm, I'm assuming, okay, this is charitable, I think, but this is like human nature. Like, I don't think that any of us set out on our day and say, you know what, uh, my time is useless and I am looking for my stock to plummet today, right? Like, we're just, we're not doing that. And at the same time, what happens is there's this subtle slip, this subtle shift into moments, whether it's five moments, 10 minutes, you know, uh, 45 minutes, maybe a couple of hours, all of a sudden we look back and say, man, that was a waste of my time. And so what I want to do today is encourage us from Ephesians 5, what it can look like in our lives to trim the trivial in order to maximize what matters in our life. Ephesians 5 is capturing what this man named Paul wanted these people known as the Ephesians, they're people who live in the city of Ephesus in ancient Turkey, um, how he wanted them to live their lives. And so the first few chapters are very theological in nature. In other words, they answer questions like, who is God? What has God done for us in this man named Jesus? What, what does that mean for us? And then chapters 4 through 6 start to put really practical handles on Like, if God has done all these things, then we should live in a particular kind of way, which is really, to sum it up, is to live a life that is worthy of Jesus, just showing how much worth he has by the way that we live our lives. And so Ephesians 5, starting in verse 15, we're going to focus on the end of uh, this, this kind of section on what it means to walk in a particular kind of way. He starts in verse 16, he says this, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. As we cover this section in Ephesians 5, I want to give us two primary encouragements on what it can look like to trim the trivial in order to maximize what matters. Okay, the first one is this. Let's maximize time by making the most of every opportunity. This is exactly where Paul goes in verse 15. He says, uh, Look carefully, then, how you walk. Right? Now, it's like already we have one of Paul's favorite words. You're going to see the word walk pop up in this letter of Ephesians and throughout Paul's letters. And it's just a word for him to describe how we live our life, how we do what we do on a daily basis. And so he's already used this term twice in chapter 5, where in verse 1 he'll say, walk in love just as Christ has loved us. And then in verse 8 and 9 and 10, he'll say, walk as children of love light, and now he says, walk wisely. And there's a connection here, right? If we're walking wisely, then we will be walking in love and walking in light. So what does it look like to walk in wisdom? 
And Paul says, is if you're going to walk not as unwise, but as wise, here, here's, like, here's, here's what you do. A participle, like modifying, making the best use of your time. This is how you walk wisely. P.T. O'Brien says, making the best use of our time means to take full advantage of every occasion. It means we're not missing opportunities. We're seizing every moment with the ultimate goal of pleasing God with our lives. It means we're seeking to maximize our time. So let me give you just a few thoughts on this, a few reflections in light of these verses and what we've already seen through uh, the scriptures as we've uh, thought about time. Uh, Number one, we can maximize time by realizing it's, it's scarcity. All right? Maximize time by realizing it's scarcity. Okay, time is short. Time is elusive. There are only a certain amount of ticks on the clock. And whether we live till we're 23 or 93, like our lives are really, really short in the scheme of eternity, right? Our lives are but a breath. James 4.14 asks a very sobering question. It says, what is your life? And then it provides a very sobering answer. It says, for you are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. The Greek is even stronger. If you, if you translate out the Greek kind of very literally, it says, you are a mist which being seen for a little while, even then is disappearing. Our lives are short. Jonathan Edwards wrote a meditation on Ephesians 5, 16. And in that little uh, work, he, he says this, there is nothing more precious and yet nothing of which men are more prodigal, that means recklessly wasteful, than time. If men were as lavish of their money as they are of their time, it would be, it were, if, if it were as a common thing for them to throw away their money as it is for them to throw away their time, we should think that they were beside themselves, that they were crazy and not in possession of their right mind. Yet time is a thousand times more precious than money. And when it is gone, cannot be purchased for money, cannot be redeemed for silver or gold. So Edwards, here's the picture, right? I hope you caught it. He's saying like, no one's going to leave the Chevalier Theater this morning, walk into Medford Square and see people just dropping, you know, five, tens, twenties, fifties. Hey, uh, just since we're having fun, here's a debit card. No one does that because we're American materialists wrapped up in our money. But what? Sorry. But why do we do that with our time? Why, why do we just kind of, hey, you know, five minutes, like, you know, 20 is cool, a couple hours here. I can just kind of like frivolously waste it as I walk through my day or week. 
once time has passed, it is gone forever. Listen to this. A million dollars will not buy you one moment. A million dollars won't buy you a moment of time. We can maximize our time by realizing it's scarce, it's, it's fleeting, it's, but it's also precious. That provides us a good reason to then, number two, maximize time by eliminating time wasters. So how, like, why? Let me just start with the why here. Why would we do this? Why would we uh, seek to live our life in such a way that we are eliminating time wasters? Well, we need to do that and do that all the more because as Paul says in verse 16, check it out. He says, because the days are evil. Like, this is why you should make the most of your time because they're, they're, the, the days are evil. They're characterized by that which does not accord with God and his goodness and perfection. And so we can always think about um, evil or brokenness as a term we like to use in, from two kind of angles here, okay? Number one, there is brokenness inside. In other words, we are not perfect creatures, right? We, we um, have thoughts that we, we don't want to think. We have desires that we, we don't want to de- de- desire. And um, at the end of the day, there are... Many, many times we don't manage or maximize our time very well. And so, well, why is that? It's because um, there's like laziness in here that kind of manifests itself. There's selfishness. There's presumption. So there's brokenness inside, but then there's also brokenness outside. Not only do we have our own struggles, but there are plenty of factors around us that will eat up our time. There's plenty of evidence for the brokenness of our world. I mean, this afternoon, our mayor, along with our former mayor, they're going to dedicate the Crystal Campbell Peace Garden just on the other side of City Hall here in Medford Square. And they're going to dedicate that garden to a, a young woman who was one of four people that was killed in the marathon bombing just three years ago. As we think about the marathon bombing, as we think about the tragic bombing in Manhattan just this past week, like that should sober us and help us to recognize time is fleeting, time is precious. We need to live with a sense of urgency day by day. And so that's a reason to seek to maximize our time. It's also a reminder that we should be maximizing our time, right? And so one way we can do that is through eliminating time uh, wasters. As we move through Ephesians 5, I want to just give you some tips to throw out that you can write these down as you kind of follow the outline here. Um, Seven different tips on how to trim the trivial in order to maximize time. Okay, and the first one is just this. You could list time wasters. Now, I know, like, this is funny, right? Some of you thought, man, what a waste of time. Like, I'm not going to take the time to list time wasters, But I would suggest just to do that for a couple of days, just to do that for maybe a week, it might be revealing how much time slips away from us just on a weekly basis. How much time do you waste in any given week on social media, (laughs) news sources, video games, Pokemon Go, Netflix, TV, movies, sports, music, entertainment. 
Like, what if we just kind of threw the, the, the stock chart back up there? Like, I mean, like, anybody kind of feeling that right now? Like, ouch. Like, ooh, I spent a lot of time searching the Red Sox. And... Maximize our time by eliminating time wasters. I mean, here, here's, a, here's, a, here's kind of a, just a pressing question, all right? You know, guys, I, I like to ask some pressing questions uh, in, in my sermons. Okay, so here's one. Um, how much time do you, do you uh, spend on things that will blow away like dust when weighed in the scales of eternity? How much time do you spend on things that are just going to, they're going to blow away? Like they, in other words, they don't really matter in the scheme of eternity. They just really don't matter. When God, in, God is like, here's the beautiful thing, the, the, the adventure of following Jesus, like Jesus invites us in to that which really matters. And not just matters for today, but matters forever. So we get to, to get in on that. Maximize time by realizing it's scarce, by eliminating time wasters, and then also by living in the present. We can get so caught up in where we've been. Right? What happened last week, what she said last month, how I blew that opportunity last year that we missed today. Or on the flip side, like we can get so caught up in what's ahead. I mean, graduation, marriage, a new job opportunity that we also miss today. What's right in front of us. And so the challenge then is to enjoy today, to take advantage of today, to count that which is right in front of us as precious, and then to go after it with everything we have. This is why the words of this uh, lady who was a missionary to Ecuador, her name was Elizabeth Elliot, they grabbed me in such a, a concise way, but they're so strong when she said this. We should, this is how we should live our life. We should just do the next thing to the glory of God. Do the next thing. Like, whatever God puts in front of you, whatever matters, whatever is essential, you invest in that thing and you do it for him and you give it all you've got. And I'm telling you, if you do the next thing to the glory of God, all of a sudden you're going to look back and you're going to see that that week you just trended up. And you do that again and again, day after day, all of a sudden, man, we're bullish here. Like we're, we're bullish markets mean that the stocks are going up. Okay, so um, we're like, when we just take care of what's in front of us in the present. So related to this, this is an old phrase that, that people have used throughout church history. Like we should redeem the, the time. Like we can't physically buy time, but we can make it count. This is what they meant by redeem the time. And, and so what we're talking about here is that we use downtime, or what we even call it dead times, like nothing's going on. Um, and so we use it in a constructive way. I can tell you just what this maybe looks like in my life when I'm maximizing my time and not wasting my time. Um, when I get ready in the morning, especially if the kids are up, I'm not going to wake everybody up. I'll get in the shower, and I'll brush my teeth, and while I'm doing that, I'll listen to some, some music that's good for my soul. That's one way that, that I find just uplifting in my walk with God and that gets me ready for my day is by listening to some good music that just lifts me up. Or maybe on your morning commute, you, you check out a podcast 
or when you're waiting for the tea, um, you, you spend just like three minutes. Think about three minutes, the, the value of three minutes. You can read a chapter of the Bible in three or four minutes. How many opportunities do you have through your week just while you're waiting for the tea and nothing's going on? You're just watching people or reading the ad in front of you. Like you could just redeem the time. When you walk, you can actually, if you, if you have talent, um, you can pray while you walk. I know that's like sometimes it's hard to do, like chew gum and walk. Like you can pray and walk. Anybody, you didn't think it was funny? Um, this is a serious sermon, I know. Um, right? Redeem the time. Edwards, uh, once again, he wrote these resolutions for his life. He was a serious guy. He wanted to maximize his time. Listen to what he said. I resolve never to lose one moment of time, but to improve it in the most profitable way I possibly can. Maximize time by making the most of every opportunity. Then number two, maximize time by living under the control of the Spirit. Look at verses 17 through 21. I want to read them in their entirety. It says this, Therefore, okay, in light of what he just said, walk wisely, make the best of you, use of your time. Then he says this, Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. As we think about what it looks like to live under the control of the Spirit, there, there are a few things that we can see here in these verses, okay? Number one, we can maximize our time by understanding what God wants. Like, that's what His will is. It's His desire for us. And by the way, just a sidebar, God will never want something for you or for me that isn't good for us. Just because He's a good God. He's a perfect God. He's always wanting what's best for us. Like anytime God asks us to do something, it's always what's best. But even as we understand, I think it it, it takes us back to what we saw earlier in verses uh, 8 and 9 and 10 where he says, hey, walk as children of light for the fruit of light consists in everything that's good, right, and true. And then look at verse 10. And what does it say? And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. So we need to understand what God wants, and then we need to discern what God wants, and God gives us the discernment that we need. We should pray for this, and God will give it to us. And discernment, check this out, this is why discernment is, I think, one of God's greatest gifts to help us maximize our time. Discernment helps us decide between that which is good and that which is not good. That which is good and that which is best. And so we need discernment from God. And I think this is more important than ever. Think about it's 2016, people, right? Like we live in a consumeristic age. In other words, we we live in a culture where there are thousands of options, not only with what to buy, like just walk down the cereal aisle, you know what I'm saying? That always makes the point. Um, But also with how to spend our time. 
And so as I was reading a lot for this sermon series, I came across this statement from a marketer and businessman and very successful author. His name is Seth Godin, who says this, if you want to learn what it looks like to maximize your time, it's not about having more time, it's just about decision. He says, you don't need more time, you just need to decide. And so to decide... What Seth doesn't say is that we need discernment from God to make wise decisions that will help us maximize our time. Follow follow me here? This is so good. So here's another tip. We talked about this a bit last week, but it's good enough to review, all right? We should always ask, what's best next? Like, I have a lot of options here. I have a lot of tasks to do. I have a lot of responsibilities. I have a lot of commitments in my, my friendships and my family and my church. Like, but what's best next? How can I really bring the most glory to God and the most good to others with what he's entrusted to me and my time? And, and, and so one little tool here is to actually take what's most important and put it in the very first part of your day when you have the most energy to get after it and to knock it out. And then related to this, another great tip is this. Schedule time for what matters most. If I can just be transparent for a moment, I want to tell you that I am often guilty, often guilty of taking for granted the people that I love the most. I am. And it bothers me. This is true in my relationship with God. It's true in my relationship with my wife and my kids, right? So, like, God's always there, right? So, like, like, I live with my family. So, like, all of a sudden, we just kind of take for granted, like, that relationship. And we don't put as much quality investment in that relationship. And so if Jesus is most precious to you, if you are a follower of Christ, then it is not unspiritual to put your time in pursuing God in a quality way, like where we just open up the Bible and pray. And like we can do that anytime through our day, but I think there should be some concentrated time when we're doing that regularly. I would even say daily. We can put that on, like that's on my calendar because that matters to me, and I'm not going to schedule anything else. And if I have to schedule it in the time that I have planned for that, I'm moving it around and making sure it gets done. Same thing for my wife and kids. He's like, well, you live with them. Don't you get quality time? Not necessarily. Life happens. There's a lot going on, right? So, yeah, I mean, yeah, we're always trying to be intentional when we're together and spend that quality time. But, but you know what? Like, plan a date night with your spouse. Plan a date day with your children. Apply it if you're single. Apply it to your roommates. Apply it to your friendships, your family. Schedule time for what matters most. Then moving to verse 18. Not only should we understand what God wants, what his will is, but also be filled with the Spirit. This is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Okay? Paul starts off and he uses this imagery from everyday life and he says, Do not get drunk with wine. Okay, and why should we not get drunk with wine is because we will become intoxicated to the point of not being able to proper, uh, properly function in life, right? And, and then that's going to lead us into ways that are not going to bring glory to God or be good for other people, right? 
So he says, instead of that, instead of being drunk with wine, you should actually be filled with God's Spirit. So let me just, let me just be very clear. When someone decides to follow Jesus and they put their faith in what he's done for them, God gives us the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, to dwell within us. He changes us from the inside out, but it is up to us to continue to receive that activity and work of the Spirit on an ongoing basis so that he can strengthen us to live in the ways that God wants us to. Does everyone follow me? So like, if we again, to break this down, it's, it's to say, be being filled with the Spirit. So like, it's a command, we should be filled, but it's an activity that we only receive because God has to do it. God has to fill us up with himself. So the goal here, what, a, what an image, like Paul, thank you intoxicated with God, intoxicated with the Spirit to the point where the Spirit controls me. The Spirit is guiding me in my decisions every day. He's leading me down this path or away from that path. It's not boring to follow Jesus. It's personal. It's intense. It's moment by moment. It's beautiful. It's life-changing. It's transformative. We're filled with the Spirit, and, and He guides us through life. So, if the Spirit is controlling us, then this kind of reminds us of this very applicable idea that we should focus. Here's another tip. Focus and stop multitasking. Like Practice self-control. Because the Spirit controls us to where we can focus on a task and stop multitasking. And you see there that multitasking is in quotation marks because I would agree with other um, kind of uh, like social psychologists and cognitive scientists who would say multitasking is a myth. Multitasking, in the words of a man named Ron Friedman, who wrote a great article in Harvard Business Review, says that it is rapidly switching between activities, degrading our clarity, and depleting our mental energy. That's what multitasking is. <laughs> We're just distracted, right? Like, and I, 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 it's confession Sunday for Pastor Tanner, okay? Like, I hope you pray for me. I hope you still love me. Uh, I'm not perfect. And so you know what I used to do? I used to tell people, oh, man, I can multitask. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm a great multitasker. I can be working on something. I can answer an email. I can listen to a song. I can, you know, I'm not saying you can't listen to music and word, but you know what I'm saying, right? And it was this badge of pride, and like, I'm so driven. I'm so smart. I'm so talented that I can multitask. I mean, I wasn't saying that out loud. But I was just thinking it, you know. I, just, I was just living it. I mean, I wasn't even thinking it. I was like, the, the, what my, the, the story my life told was that, like, man, you've got it all together. So you can, like, multitask. And it's really just probably distracting me from getting things done in a more efficient, focused manner. 
And then with this, like if we're really going to be controlled by the Spirit, this is just another practical application out of this and focus on what he wants. Then I just want to point back to the sermon last month, which was on digital detox, all right? You didn't want me to bring that up. You thought I'd forgotten about that. That sermon hurt us all, didn't it? Like anybody just with me? Like to, to like put a limit on our screen time. We live in this technologically driven culture where a screen is always in front of us and I've got my iPad right here and a TV when I get home and a phone in my pocket and like, you know, so uh, just answer me this. How much value do notifications have? Anybody? I mean, this is like, this is not biblical. Okay, this is not even something I read in an article. This is just my best guess. I would say that notifications are 95% distraction and 5% helpful. Like, if you just put notifications on all your little apps and just a ding, 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 all day, ding, 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 like, get rid of them, man. A pastor that I really respect says this, just to paraphrase him, he says, one of the great uses of social media will be to prove in the very end that our lack of prayer is not from a lack of time. If anyone says to me, or if I say it to someone else, I don't have time to read the Bible or to pray. It makes me laugh on the inside or it makes me really sad. Because it is a lie. It's not true. You can't tell me that you don't have time to seek God. When you spend hours and hours and hours on the TV and social media and you watch the same sports highlights 10 times in the same day, I mean, like, some of them are worth a couple, you know, watches, but, like, I mean, I laugh when I'm proud and not like Jesus and I'm sad when I am like Jesus, right, because... Because we often just don't spend time on that which is best, right? I'm not, I'm not saying you have to be a walking Bible reader like 24-7. That's not the point. I'm just saying like God has given us time and we should invest in what matters most. I like Facebook. I like Instagram. I like Twitter. I like TV. I'm not saying these are evil in and of themselves. I'm just saying they can absolutely crush us from maximizing our time. So the Spirit can control us to focus, to, to eliminate things that distract us. But then also the Spirit energizes us. And so, like, this is where, uh, this is where the cross comes in big time, all right? This is where God's grace comes in big time because in order to do this, in order to live our lives for God, in order to be filled with the Spirit to the point where we're maximizing our time on the regular, then what happens is the Spirit not only controls us, but the Spirit gives us strength. He energizes us. I don't have time to go back and I can just tell you, in Ephesians chapter 1, at the end of the chapter, Paul's praying and he says that the, he prays that the power that raised Jesus from the dead would be at work in us. We have that kind of power. We have everything we need to live our lives in a way that is constructive and shines light. 
Ephesians 2. Like you've been saved by grace, not by works. It's a gift from God. And then he says, for God created you in Christ Jesus for good works that he's already prepared for you to walk in. So like, like the road is already paved. We just need to walk in it. That's grace. That is God providing for us what we need. Ephesians 6.10, finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. So it's not like Tanner, man, you got to maximize your time this week, so you better really, really work hard, and you really, really better get your act together, and you really, really better stay focused. No, it's like, God, help me here. I I can't do this on my own. I need your strength. I need your grace. I need your help to help me maximize every single moment. The Spirit controls us. The Spirit energizes us. And I would just say, um, again, related to this, it's not just that we need spiritual strength, but the Spirit will lead us, are you ready for this, to actually maintain our energy levels in in a way that will have physical strength. Like the Spirit does that. So um, here are just a few uh, thoughts here. Um, Eat, sleep, exercise, they will help us all maximize. I'm a poet, all right? Can we, can we say that together? Eat, sleep, and exercise. They will help us maximize. We can write a rap, okay? That would be fun. Um, okay, that might be corny to restate that, but doesn't it make the point? Like, when you eat healthy food, you will have more energy. When you get rest, you will have more energy. When you exercise, my man, uh, Pastor John Chastain, he's been doing his workouts again. You know, he gets in these phases where he just goes crazy, and he's going to be, like, be all ripped again in a couple you know, more weeks probably. Um, I was going to say a couple months, John, but I'm trusting that you're going to really uh, make it faster than that. Uh, but, but listen, just last week at office hours, this guy had so much energy, man. I'm over there. I'm like, man, i got to start working out because he just, he was energy. He was ready for the day. So just another tip there, but this is, this is all a result of giving our lives over to God and having His grace at work in us. And then, and then finally, I would just say very quickly, to summarize those last few verses, is to rely on our Spirit-filled community. So, so Paul would say, um, you know, uh, address one another in songs, hymns, and spiritual songs, give thanks to God. It implies that we're meeting together. It implies that we're doing life together. It implies that, that Sunday is really important and groups are really important and that when we miss a Sunday or miss a group, which I know happens but probably happens too much sometimes in our lives if we're being honest and maximizing our time, um, then like we miss some strength there. We just miss some strength because God uses these experiences to strengthen us so that we can maximize our time for him. So if I can make one final plea with you, it would just be this. Do not put off what is most important. I, I, I probably don't know what's most important for you, but, but you probably do. And for you, say like, I'm not sure, just think about it. I would say before you probably leave here, or just a couple hours this afternoon, you know, like the Pats play Thursday night, so you can actually, you know, skip that. Um, just like think about what, what is most important in my life right now that I cannot put off, but I can maximize. 
Because I, I think, I hope for, for some of you, maybe that are not all in with, with Jesus and following Jesus in your life, um, but you've been thinking about it and you know you need to take that step, I would just say, why put it off to tomorrow when you can say, I'm all in with him today? Maximize your time. Like, Don't wait another week. Don't wait another month. Don't wait another year. Just say, I am going to spend my life for him. And some of you say, well, Tina, I'm not there yet, um, but, but I know I should probably consider it. Well, then my encouragement to you would be consider it today. Like, you could come to our Explore group that meets at my house tomorrow night on Mondays and, and explore more, like consider it more. Like, is Jesus real? Did he really rise from the dead? Does that mean anything for me? But, but if, if you're not in those two uh, kind of camps, then I think all of us would say, look, you know, there, there are ways, there, there are certainly ways that I need to trim the trivial and maximize what matters because God has only given me one shot at this one life and I need to spend it in a way that is going to matter, not just for today, not just for tomorrow, but forever. And so I'll close with the words of a poem that I was introduced to in college that ring in my ears every so often. Um, and I want to live them every single day from a missionary named C.T. Studd. He said this, We have only one life. It will soon be passed. Only what is done for Christ will last. Let's pray together. God, thank you for your word. God, thank you for the gift of life. Thank you for the gift of life through Jesus and the fact that you have given us your life-giving spirit to live within us to now lead us to live our lives for you. So, Father, as I've already confessed in this sermon... I am in constant need of your grace to trim things that don't belong in my life or that are eating away at precious moments that I could invest for you. And I have a sneaky suspicion that my friends here today uh, at Redemption Hill are probably in the same boat. So God, would you help us to see what it is in our lives that we can uh, cut back, eliminate, be freed up from the distractions, so that we can maximize our time. God, give us discernment. We pray, give us discernment to to differentiate between the good and the best. God, give us a, a concern for not just how we can be personally productive, but so that we can fulfill the purpose of productivity in the first place, which is to be a blessing to those around us and to bring glory to to your great name. So God, we need your grace to do this. We pray that you would help us. Even as we continue to worship you, God, you're giving us as we sing, as we respond, like this is an opportunity, it's a moment to maximize our time. Help us to do it, we pray. In the name of Jesus, amen.